Good morning, everyone. It's going to take me just a minute to get organized. So grateful for my brothers. Bill's fixing the computer for me. Gordon's adjusting my coat. Everyone's, everyone's taking care of me. Let's pray as we get started. Um, we're going to be speaking about the throne room of God this morning, and uh, of course that's a very sacred topic. Um, let's, let's ask God's blessing as we do so. Father, thank you so much for this new day. We agree with your word. This is the day that you have made. We will rejoice in it. Father, we ask that the veil between earth and heaven would be, as Jim so often says, very, very thin in these next moments, and we could experience your throne room like never before. We pray we wouldn't be concerned about us and our needs, but we would be concerned about who you are and how we might better worship and adore you. We bless you, Lord. We ask you to give us hearts to hear, ears to hear, hearts to receive. We pray your Holy Spirit would be speaking to us in dynamic ways. We ask for your anointing on this message, Lord, and that you would be glorified. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, when I was a boy, um, I think we were, I was around 8, 9, 10 years old, we moved to a new neighborhood. And uh, I loved to get on my bike, not knowing that neighborhood, and ride as fast as I could, trying to not really pay attention to where I was, to see if I could get lost and find my way back home. And it was fun. I, I, um, I really enjoyed just taking off as fast as I could, pedaling away, and trying to get lost. And um, sometimes I really enjoy approaching the scriptures that way. God will give me a subject, and I'll just try to get into the Word and not have any preconceived ideas of where I'm going, but um, just get lost in His Word and see where I end up, see where it takes me. Well, recently I was uh, uh, praying, and the phrase, the beauty of the Lord, popped into my mind. And I thought, you know, um, you think of things being beautiful, but it seemed to me there was at least one verse in the Bible about the Lord himself being beautiful. And so I wanted to explore that, and that led me into even a wider uh, study about the throne room of God and what is all around the throne. Um, and I want to share that with you this morning. By way of introduction, I want to read from Isaiah chapter 66, verses 1 and 2. You don't need to turn there if you don't want. It just says, thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. 
Where then is a house you could build for me, and where is a place that I may rest? For my hand made all these things, thus all these things came into being, declares the Lord. But to this one I will look, to him who is humble and contrite of spirit, and who trembles at my word. I remember in basic some years ago, Chris King uh, teaching on this, these two verses, and pointing out the transcendence of God, that he's high and lifted up and totally above and away from us, and yet at the same time he is imminent, meaning he's right there with us, very close, even in our hearts, living inside of us. So the title of the message this morning is All Around the Throne, and I want you to, to invite you to take a ride with me in the Scriptures and explore the beauty and the splendor and the majesty, the light and the heavenly host that surround and inhabit the throne room of God. So all around his throne are several things, and the first I want to explore is this idea of beauty. In Psalm 96.6, we read that beauty is in his sanctuary. It says, splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Another theme around the word beautiful or beauty is the idea that the city of God, um, Jerusalem, is beautiful. Psalm 48.2 says, beautiful in elevation. The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the side of the north, the city of the great king. As I go through some of these scriptures today, you'll hear songs uh, that we sing in your mind being played. Psalm 50, verse 2, out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God has shown forth. There's also a theme of beauty about our heritage. In uh, Psalm 16:6, Paul says, the lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. My heritage is beautiful to me. And I, that, that scripture really resonates with me because um, this church is my heritage. Uh, I'm thinking about the fact that next year I will have been here 30 years. Laura and I will have been a part of you for 30 years, and um, you're my family. You're my home. You're, you're, you're my heritage, and it's beautiful to me. I was just sitting there listening to Dave sing, and I could hear Terry, and I could hear Jim, and uh, it was my brothers were around me, and it felt good. My, my heritage is beautiful to me. But probably the sine qua non, the essential truth um, we find in Psalm 27.4, where the Lord himself is described as beautiful and the source of beauty. One thing I have asked from the Lord, that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. Beauty is, a, is the Hebrew word noam, meaning kindness, pleasantness, delightfulness. Webster's definition you see there is the quality or aggregate of qualities 
in a person or thing that gives pleasure to the senses or pleasantly exalts the mind and spirit. I once saw a t-shirt that said, squint when you approach, lest my beauty blind you. <laughs> I think the Lord could wear that t-shirt. I don't think any of us could. There's one more theme of beauty in the scriptures, and that is the beauty that he beautifies his saints, that is us with salvation. Isn't that a beautiful scripture? Uh, Psalm 149, 1 and 4, praise the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song, for the Lord takes pleasure in his people, he will beautify the afflicted ones with salvation. You know, I've seen that verse borne out in Kenya. Um, this is my favorite picture from our trip two years ago to Kenya. A little girl with encephalitis, I believe, is what she has. Uh, but this was one of the girls that Linda and the team from the Little Lighthouse ministered to, ministered uh, prayer, ministered salvation, ministered Christ. I've seen our basic kids in Cambodia with street kids from the ghetto um, just transform them from violence to love. Um, I've seen him beautify his afflicted ones with salvation. And just a few weeks ago, when we had five or six of our own people up here sharing, didn't you see the beauty of the Lord uh, in them as they gave their to testimonies? How many of you would say amen to that? That was so beautiful, especially as Jason Feathers was sharing in my heart, I was singing, singing that old song, something beautiful, something good. All my confusion, he understood. All I had to offer him was brokenness and strife. But he made something beautiful of my life. How many of you would say, that is my testimony? He's made something beautiful of my life. He is beautiful. Beauty is in his sanctuary, and beauty emanates from his throne. As I continued searching, another word that kept pop, uh, popping up was the word splendor. The word splendor. It means extraordinary or transcendent impressiveness, outshining the usual, resplendent in glory. The Hebrew word means to lift oneself up, to swell up, or to be swollen, to be eminent. It's often joined with the word majesty in the Scriptures. Here are some examples. Psalm 8, verse 1. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth, who has displayed thy splendor above the heavens. Another one is 1 Chronicles 16, 25 through 27. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He also is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his place. One more is Psalm 104, 1 and 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, 
O Lord my God, Thou art very great. Thou art clothed with splendor and majesty. Some synonyms are resplendent, which means a glowing or blazing brilliance. And another one is sublime, which means an exaltation or elevation beyond human comprehension. One more scripture is Habakkuk 3, 3 and 4. God comes from Taman and the Holy One from Mount Paran. His splendor covers the heavens and the earth is full of His praise. His radiance is like the sunlight. He has rays flashing from His hand and there is the hiding of His power. Isn't that a beautiful scripture? And there is the hiding of His power. Now in the ancient world, when um, a visiting dignitary came and you were the king of, of the land, you would display your splendor. And how would you do that? You would show off all your riches and all your material goods. And in a sense, I think God does that through his creation. I'd like you to imagine the most beautiful place you've ever been in your life. Can you remember that place? Maybe the, mo the, the very best day of vacation that you ever experienced, where all your senses were flooded. Maybe your favorite flower or a favorite smell is what you think of. I think of the beauty of Kenya, and I want to show you some of God's splendor from a day we went on safari. Millard, you remember this day. He took us to uh, one of the largest, if not the largest, uh, safari lands in the world. Is that correct, Millard? Yeah. In Nairobi. A few giraffe. Aren't those beautiful? And we saw a, uh, a lion, a lioness sunning in the grass. Um, we kept trying to get closer and closer, but this was about as close as we got. And I've always wanted to see a warthog. Uh, ever since I was a little kid, I've wanted to see a real live warthog. And as if on order or command, it was part of the package that we ordered or something like that, off in the distance, here comes this warthog. And you, can, you might be able to see that his tail is straight up in the air. Um, he's getting a little closer. Uh, not sure he wants to come right at us, but there he is in all his strength and glory. Isn't that a powerful, powerful animal? I might want to be a warthog if I was in the animal kingdom. Maybe you enjoy flowers. Um, Millard and Shirley's home there had some of the most beautiful flowers, as well as other places we went. Just enjoy these for a moment. The splendor of the Lord. And I love this one. Look at that little guy. There's like a little gnome in that flower. He's actually got a smile, if you could, can look closely. It's just like 
the humor of God right there in that, in that flower. In the end, I think we must ascribe splendor to God himself. Amen? He is not like earthly kings. Yes, he can show off his goods, but the splendor comes from he himself. The splendor comes from the living God, his character, his goodness, and his love. Hallelujah. A third theme that we find in the throne room is the theme of light. There is light there. In John, 1 John 1.5, the old apostle proclaims, and this is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness in, at all. Indeed, light is all around the throne. I'd like to remind you that in, in the revelation we call the Bible, the very first words God speaks is, let there be light. And in Revelation 22, the second to the last chapter of that same revelation, we read that the Lamb will light up heaven. Um, that he, let me read that verse to you. This is Revelation 21, starting in verse 22. And I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of the sun or of the moon to shine upon it, for the glory of God has illumined it, and its lamp is the Lamb. And the nations shall walk by its light, and the kings of the earth shall bring their glory into it. In between, we find many fascinating scriptures about light. For example, in 1 Timothy, we read, Paul writes to Timothy, he dwells in unapproachable light. Jesus in chapter 9 of John said, I am the light of the world. In John 1, we read that he is the true light that enlightens every man. In Matthew 17, 2, on the Mount of Transfiguration, we read that his, his face became like the sun. His garments were white as light, and, and the, the gospel writer Mark adds, whiter than any soap could produce. Then we have Paul encountering Christ on the Damascus Road, and he sees this incredible light from heaven, after which he can see nothing. I've had a, somewhat of a similar experience in a different way. Um, again, when I was a teenager, some friends invited me to go skiing in, in, at Vail in Jackson Hole. And I went, and there were beautiful, sunny days that we were skiing, and I did not have any goggles. And so I just skied for a couple of days, but after the second day in the evening, my eyelids just shut and I couldn't open them. Uh, they, they shut inv involuntarily because my eyes were burnt, and I couldn't see for a couple of days. My eyes just watered constantly. They were just healing. They, it's a funny feeling to have your eyelids shut, and you can't do anything about it. Uh, they stayed shut until the healing was there. Indeed, Jesus is the light of the world, and there is light all around the throne. A fourth word that I ran into constantly was the word majesty. 
Psalm 29, 4 and 5. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Yes, the Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. Psalm 93, 1. The Lord reigns. He is clothed with majesty. The Lord has clothed and girded himself with strength. The Hebrew word for majesty is hadar, meaning ornament, adorning, or decoration. That, that word set surprised me, um, and I wasn't quite sure how to see that. Uh, it has connotations of grandeur, excellence, or dignity. Um, and so I thought about the fact that in the scriptures you always see uh, the words power, his power and majesty, his power and majesty. I, I couldn't think of a place or find a place where it said his majesty and power. So it's as if the word majesty is building upon the word power. And I thought of this illustration. Um, if you were to see a painting of a huge mountain, but it's that's all you see is just the mountain. There's no snow, there's no trees, there's no nothing. Just the mountain. It would probably look pretty gray, pretty foreboding, but nevertheless, you might be, be caught up with the fact that is a powerful manifestation of God. That is a powerful looking mountain. But then take that same picture and begin to accessorize it. Accessorize it with some glaciers, with some snow, with some waterfalls, um, with some um, um, bighorn sheep, some trees, some lush mosses, maybe a bear eating some blueberries, and an eagle leaving its nest. I don't think you would say that is powerful. I think what we would tend to say is, that is majestic. That is majestic. And so I don't know if it's totally correct, but I've begun to think of majesty as power adorned, power accessorized, um, power on steroids, if you will. Hebrews 1.3 says, And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. Now we know that verse, and we, we, we are familiar with it, and we think it's, it's um, magnificent. But then listen to this. When he had made purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. God here is called the majesty, with a capital M in this verse. Same in Hebrews 8.1. Now the main point in what has been said is this, we have such a high priest who has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. Certainly there is majesty around the throne. A fifth theme is the heavenly host. There is a heavenly host around the throne of God. The malach uh, in Hebrew and the angelos in Greek are angels, meaning messengers of God, and there are different ranks and seemingly different duties of the angels in heaven. For example, you have the cherubim. 
The cherubim are often depicted as guarding and surrounding the righteousness and majesty of the throne of God. They are at the entrance to the Garden of Eden in Genesis 3. They are depicted on the Ark of the Covenant in Exodus 37. And they are shown to be at the throne of God itself in Revelation 4 and 5. The seraphim, that word means the burning ones. And they only appear in Isaiah 6 above the throne of God. And their main task seems to be praising God continually as they say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. Then you have the archangel Michael, and you have Gabriel. Interestingly, Michael is the only one who's called an archangel in Jude verse 9. Michael seems to be one who stands up for Israel in Daniel and is a warring angel. Often he's warring for the saints of God or for Israel. Gabriel, on the other hand, stands in the presence of God. That's the phrase that seems to describe him in Luke 1, verse 13. And he's often the one who brings great tidings of good news from God to man. For example, it is he that we read about in Luke 1, 26, who says, Now in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph, and the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. Gabriel, often announcing great tidings of good news to mankind. The angels are vast in number. There are verses talking about how they are ministering spirits to the saints and forever giving praise to God. But you have come to Mount Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? Indeed, a heavenly host is around the throne. I want to read one more verse about that heavenly host. This is from Revelation 5. And I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders. And the number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might, and honor, and glory, and blessing. Well, we could go on and on to talk of the glory around the throne, another great word and theme. We could talk about His holiness around the throne. We could talk about the power around the throne, the river of life that flows out from the throne. Imagine that the seat of all authority, judgment, peace, and His Lordship. It makes me think of that verse that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I struggled with how to 
make application of this message. I was talking with Bill, and um, I sort of thought of, of, of three, three uh, things. It's not like there's any homework to do or anything, but I thought of three ways or three things that uh, are kind of takeaways from this was Bill's point number one. It is enough simply to know God better this morning and uh, from his word. Amen? It is simply enough to know and to see the throne room of God better than perhaps we have in the past. A second thing that I was impressed with is how he's already sharing uh, heaven with us in part. He has beautified us with salvation. Amen? He has beautified us with his salvation. He's enlightened us with his light. He has shared glimpses of his splendor and majesty with us in creation. His angels have ministered to us and they will continue to minister to us. The word says we are already seated in heavenly places and we have joined the heavenly host in worship of our King. What happened? This is the third point. These magnificent realities all around His throne are not independent of the Lord Himself, somehow separate from Him. Rather, they emanate from Him and from His great character and absolute lordship. In this sense, it can be rightfully said, He is the fount of beauty. He is the light. He is the splendor and the majesty. He is life. He is the source of all power. He is love. And He is Lord of all. Hallelujah. Ephesians 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. May we join the host of angels and de declare together His holiness. Would you stand with me? And I just want to sing a song as a way to close this out. Holy, 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 holy is the Lord. Holy, 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 holy is the Lord. Let's sing that again. Holy, 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 holy is the Lord. Holy, 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 holy is the Lord. As we see you in your splendor, as we gaze upon 
majesty as we join the host of angels and declaim together your holiness. Holy, 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 holy is the Lord. Holy, 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 holy is the Lord. As we see you in your splendor, as we gaze upon your majesty.